All right, welcome to Useful Idiots. I'm Matt Taibbi. And I'm Katie Halper. And this is Useful Idiots? Again, it's still Useful Idiots. <laughs> it's still it's, useful it's, yeah, all these seconds later, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Great show. We got a great show for you today. We do. We have... Ro Khanna, Representative Ro Khanna, who represents the 17th District in California. And is... Oh, and is the co-chair of the Bernie Sanders for President uh, campaign. And is... Friend of the show. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I was going to see how long I could string that along. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's great. Is an expert on defense spending. Yep. Uh, is a stalwart presence. Yep, man. Is the grandson of someone who um, fought side by side with, not very violently, with um, Mahatma Gandhi. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I just learned something. So that's uh, so we have a great show. We're going to be talking to him, and we're going to go over a whole bunch of stuff on this inopportunely timed podcast because we're not going to have the New Hampshire results. Right. But you're going to have the timeless insights that we have yeah, this in is, our this world is going to be This is going to be evergreen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You just come back to here. You like listen the wi- to it. The wisdom is just going to be, it'll be wisdom today, tomorrow, the next yes. day. And it could have been the day before. Yeah. And you just apply right? it moving forward because I have a prediction for you. What's your prediction? The Dems are going to suck. No matter what happens. No matter what, yeah. So you yeah. can take take comfort in this. Take that this to is, the bank. Yeah, take that to the bank. This right. will be nonstop catharsis. Right. Until Bernie Sanders is president, at which point it'll reform. I'm beginning to, okay, yes. Don't even say those words. You don't want me to go there? What, that you think he's not going to win? I just, I'm seeing scenarios. Okay, I'm in New York. It's uh-huh. a blue state. But I'm not going to vote for anyone besides Sanders. There, I'm saying it. Really? Because n- having non-Bernies creates Trump. Mm-hmm. Not just because I like Bernie more than anyone else, which I do, right. and also whatever it's fine because no one else will win, so I won't be it won't be a big deal. I um, think any one of the Democrats could. I think people people uh, overestimate Trump as some kind of juggernaut. He's not. He's he's just, you know at this point he's kind of worked his way back to being more or less relatively a normal incumbent normie, Republican. A normie, yeah. You know, in terms of his his political strength, but. Well, you know who definitely could win, actually? Oh. I was being very stupid and naive through the art of of humor. Amy Klobuchar. Yeah, I don't know about that. Well, she, How she could your win. hair fair in a blizzard? Oh, my God. That, this is so painful. And I didn't mean to be... I should have warned you. There should have been a trigger warning. I didn't realize you had heard that in person when you yes. were covering the trail, that you'd heard it like three times. Yeah. So I didn't check in with you. Is that okay? No, it's a little, it's a little scarring. It's one yeah. of those things if I hear it three more times, I might... You know, go running off on a yeah. tri-state killing rampage. Right. Yeah. So we definitely need. So Amy, you got to not say it again. Right. Amy, for listening to this. Yeah. So you're, you'll be saving dozens of yeah, lives. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Please don't re-victimize Matt. So uh, speaking of them sucking as much as they do, should we start with yeah, the, let's four, do the food four food groups? groups. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and also buy merch. Buy merch. Buy yeah. merch. Rate and review. All that jazz. Not only should you buy these mugs, which are fantastic gifts. Yeah. Um, we want you to uh, photograph yourself with the mugs. Yeah. And actually, additionally, if you could photograph yourself while doing something inappropriate with yeah. these mugs. Illegal, that hopefully, be, yeah. Illegal would be good. Nah, yeah. N- yeah, not inappropriate or illegal, let's be real. Not severely illegal. Not severely inappropriate either. Like, not problematic inappropriate. Okay, like, you could be on the toilet, yes. Yes. Anyway, yes, but but send us a photo of yourself with the mug, yeah. and we'll, we'll hashtag it out there. And if you see anyone with, I don't know if Pod Save America has any merch, but if they do, just light it on fire. Right. And take photos or videos of that. So for Democrats, so Democrats suck, suck There's, like, so much. But let's start with the fact that, two things about Iowa. One is that uh, some voters are concerned, understandably, that the Nevada Democratic Party has hired a former Buttigieg campaign staffer to be part of its like fair voting oversight committee. Emily Goldman, 
who is identified as a former staffer of the Pete Buttigieg campaign, um, has been hired by the state party of Nevada. She's going to be the new voter protection director for Nevada. Okay. Let's have, we, we should have a little go back right, and forth about sure. this. There's two things about this narrative that... that Are very smart on my part. All right. Well, look, let's go with the whole relationship between Pete yeah. and Shadow. Yeah, which sure. Is, yeah. I think people misunderstood that a little bit. Oh. The Buttigieg campaign hired Shadow. Right. They were Shadow is a client of Buttigieg, which means that they got their money the same way they got the money from, from the Biden campaign right. to do texting and stuff yeah. like that. That doesn't mean they were an investor. Sure, you yeah. Know I mean? You know, the media did, they would talk about it in both ways. And I think what happens is this happens with law issues too. Like when things are slightly complicated like this, one person says it incorrectly and all these other journalists copy it. Right. So a lot of people were saying they both were clients, they were paid by him, and also like donated. Well, we don't know exactly what the, the relationship shadowy, was there, yeah. but it, does, it doesn't appear that, they, you know, it, it looks like it was a bill for services type right. of thing. Right. And what so. were they doing? Were they developing an Some app? Some kind of communication or? something right. or other? I mean, you know, for, for the Biden campaign, it was texting. That's what we knew. Right. But, you know, and they, they spent four times as much as, as the Biden campaign did. Joe 303. <laughs> 303030. Oh. oh, yeah. If you agree with me, go to Joe 303. Three O and help me in this fight. Thank you very much. <laughs> they must have been happy. I wonder if he hired them before or after that. Right. The other thing that that, that Pete, you know, his declaration of victory with zero percent of the returns in, it's a little slimy, but I think you can we, we can comfortably say that they would have had an idea of how how well right. they would have done at that point. So especially if they. If they were behind it. Yeah. <laughs> dun, dun, I'll be dun. the conspiracy theorist. You can be the voice of reason. Yeah. All right. I'm just going to say that, you know, I don't trust him at all, yeah. but I don't I don't see his, his hands so much in what happened in Iowa. We also don't want to come off as anti-woodchuck. Woodchucks are fine. Um, he's also been called a rat and rat-faced. Hmm. And I do want to say I'm a little worried because you know what this year is in the Chinese zodiac? It's the year of the rat. Yeah. Interesting. It For me, the big comparison with Pete Buttigieg is... is uh, that guy, the coach. Patrick Bateman. I know, yeah. Oh, that's the coach? No. Oh, well, no, no. He, he's Facially, he's Brad Stevens, but his, the, his delivery is pure American psycho. Oh, that's who Patrick... Okay, I thought you meant Jason Bateman for a second. Yeah, if you yeah. really want to see, uh, do a comparison with, you know, Pete Buttigieg, look look at the speech that Patrick Bateman gives in his boss, okay. the restaurant in American Psycho, and then compare that with any yeah. any uh, Pete Buttigieg And then speech. physically, the love child of that coach yeah, and Brad a woodchuck. Yeah. And a woodchuck. Um, and then the other issue that's terrible... So I, I really couldn't separate these two Democrats suck. But uh, there was a really Im important revelation that uh, Trip Gabriel made, journalist. So the Iowa Democratic Party chair, Troy Price, uh, this was revealed by journalist Trip Gabriel to New York Times. Uh, Troy Price sent an email, internal email, that the party attorney says any reexamination of precinct results cannot change the results on caucus math worksheets, even if they are wrong. Okay. That's like a little problematic. And then he quotes the opinion of the IDP attorney. The incorrect math on the caucus math worksheets must not be changed to ensure the integrity of the process. Most importantly, the worksheet is the caucus chair and secretary's certification of the results is required by Iowa Code. Blah, blah, blah. It is a legal voting record of the caucus like a ballot. So they're saying in order to ensure the integrity of the process, we must maintain the errors of 
the tally. Yeah, I don't know how they, they justify that. Because I, I think what they're saying is it'd be, it'd be one thing if they were talking about somebody counting incorrectly, right? So then you're, you're, you're weighing one person's count versus sure. some it's like a he said, he case. said, right. But this is like the, counted, the, if the calculations for SDEs are wrong or for delegates are wrong, right. they just should fix that. I don't right. really it's understand. It's a rounding question, right? I think that's what this is. It's a rounding it, up, yeah, rounding down. Rounding up, rounding down, yeah. They should, like, in, in one case, for instance, that it should have been five, three to two in, in one district, and they made it four, four and two, right? And yeah. So they, because they, so they, if they're not fixing that, is that what we're talking about here? Then that's, that's just stupid. I don't understand. Right. That. Anyway, so those are your Democrats suck for today. All right. So uh, for Republicans suck, we, we, this was last, we didn't get this in time yeah. last week. So um, it's important to. Trump giving the Medal of Freedom to Rush Limbaugh. I think we didn't give this appropriate. We uh, didn't. What's the word? Airtime. Truck last week. We like. Oh. Yeah, we, we didn't give this enough attention. Yeah. Because this is really ridiculous. Like, first of all, let's just take a look at the video of, um, of Trump giving the Presidential Medal of Freedom to Rush Limbaugh. Here tonight is a special man, beloved by millions of Americans, who just received a stage four advanced cancer diagnosis this is not good news but what is good news is is that he is the greatest fighter and winner that you will ever meet rush limbaugh thank you for your decades of tireless devotion to our country this is at the state of the union by the way so and he's getting rush limbaugh's getting standing now bowing his head clapping for himself just did the truck. Speaking about, just talking about yeah. truck. He did the what's that called? I don't know, like the he's, air horn. Whatever. The air horn. Yeah. Now he's doing a fist over the heart, yeah, like a pounding the fist, right? And rush. In recognition of all that you have done for our nation, the millions of people a day that you speak to and that you inspire, and all of the incredible work that you have done for charity. I am proud to announce tonight that you will be receiving our country's highest civilian honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. He looks like... He's clearly surprised. Yeah. Wait, do you think he didn't... Was that... Okay. Okay, now he's... So he has his hands and his face is in his hand, like he's really moved. Rush Limbaugh, he's having... um, his eyes are uh, watering. First of all, it's pretty clear from the video that he was surprised. Yeah. He's like, they fucking did what? You know? Right. Like, he just thought he was going to get honored. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, exactly. Even he thought like, wow, I'm not sure that. That's, right. He thought that's he'd cool. get a shout out. Well, it makes sense because D- Donald Trump is like a game. You know, he is a reality TV star. Right. So he's like, and I'd like to announce. He's announcing it. It's like not built into the script. It's reality TV. It's not. You know, yeah, I mean, built. it was like, uh, you know, Rush Limbaugh, a new, you win a new car. I know. You know? And like, then we, when he said he had stage four cancer, it was like he was reading an, an exciting development about right. him, like a new breaking news that was good. Right. In fact, you think that it almost sounds like Trump himself had to explain to himself that it wasn't good because yeah. he's like, <laughs> and he, he just found out that he has stage four cancer. <laughs> 
Which is not, not good, good news. Yeah. But what is good news, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, I'm just speechless by this this move. We uh, should do it. And and you know, for this kind of media person, and you know, who knows, I might even fall into this category. The the reward you get for saying outrageous shit uh, yeah. and being somebody like that is is while you're in the prime of your career. You right. get the money and you, you get the attention and all yeah. that. And he got all of that in spades and, and he had enormous influence over uh, politics that he probably shouldn't have. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't even remember. What, what did he do that, to call a bunch of people? Sluts. I think he called Crystal ba- friend of the show Crystal Ball a slut, Sandra Fluke. Yeah, Fluck. Sandra, Sandra Fluke. Uh, um, he, he's, he's, it's just, it's such an FU to give a, the Presidential Medal of Freedom to, to I know, Rush Limbaugh. I know, said so like, much racist. What it, has he done for freedom? He used to be just a run-of-the-mill good radio DJ. Uh-huh. And, you know, he, he just made this heel turn to become like an, you know, an evil political uh, like he partisan. played music? He was just a DJ? Yeah, he was like a top 40 DJ, I think in Pittsburgh, if I'm not Whoa. mistaken. If you I look up where, those, listen huh. to those, uh, should, yeah. he wasn't bad. He was, you know, he could spin a record. And, and you can hear that his broadcast ability is actually pretty good when when he's just doing shticks and right. stuff like that on, yeah. on the show. Like he's he's a media professional. Yeah, he's engaging. He's I mean, engaging. Disgusting, he he can engaging, be, but, yeah. but he just... He made a, you know, a financial decision, I think, more than anything. Right. And I don't know. That was just, that was a, a real Republican suck moment. So we, we can move on. What do we got for uh, Isn't That Weird? Uh, for Isn't That Weird, we have a uh, cautionary tale for anyone who's ever dressed up as a Disney character. So this took place on a Las Vegas strip. So a woman dressed in a Minnie Mouse costume um, looks like she punched a security guard before two others dressed as Mickey Mouse and Goofy intervened to break up the fight. So Minnie Mouse is like really going after this. It's a a woman, a Minnie Mouse woman going after a female security guard. I don't know. I wonder what the security guard had said to her or had done. Um, And then luckily, um, the security guard is basically saved by someone who had, I guess, a goofy costume on, but he's like holding it. I like that they they break the code, the 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 Disney wall, right? That usually exists, you know, of impunity. Yeah, they're they're, they're, they're breaking kayfabe, basically. E, what's that? That's like the wrestling code. You're not you're not right. supposed to break the suspension oh, of disbelief. Oh, got it. Yeah, so you can see that like one of them was wearing a goofy outfit, but because he, uh, I guess, threw himself into the the fight, he lost his head. Not literally. He lost his goofy head. <laughs> he lost his goofy head. Yeah. So I guess thank you to Goofy. I just and, like and any story that involves mascots or people and costumes in like violence. that. Like, yeah, because I just love the real people coming out underneath. It's always good. Oh, like Crazy Crab. Crazy like Crazy Crab. Yeah. Exactly. The Santa, Santa Con, Con fight. fight. Yeah. Also a good one. Uh, isn't that terrible? This is a avalanche in Turkey. So what's the what's the value of this story? Like snow is dangerous. It, it's you know, depending on where you live, all around you, it may be on top of your house, so you could die just by walking outside your house. But this is more like an avalanche on a on the side Ooh. of a mountain in Turkey. An avalanche of bad news. An avalanche of bad news. And this is a, a 33 were killed, 53 were injured uh, in in Turkey when the, a bunch of people went to go try to save people from a previous av- avalanche. Right. So during a search for missing people, people missing from an av- a snow slide, which yeah. makes it sound like a a game, a ride. Okay, so, so why sad. why do you have disaster stories on on uh, on the news all the time? 
people love to read uh, yeah. stories about terrible things that are happening to other people somewhere else, right? It's also an incentive for you to not to leave your home. This is a an additional message on top of that, which is just don't ever try to help right. anybody else, right? Yeah. Because if you if you go off and try to help somebody in a disaster zone, you may end up becoming a victim well, of a second disaster. Yeah, what's even worse is that like only five people were killed and two people went missing in the initial avalanche. Yeah, so they compounded it by... Not just compounded it, it's like by... F- how many times is five going to 33? Six, six, six or over seven. Six. Yeah, yeah. So six times as many people died. I disagree. I don't like the message. I, I'm a not me us person. Uh-huh. Um, but it is true that make sure you when you do it, you're smart. So that was terrible. So, you know, we should just start a tradition called our Chris Matthews of the week. Um, this is a very important video that I want to make sure we share with our, our listeners. <laughs> I, I have my own views of the word socialist, and I'll be glad to tell them, share them with you in private. And they go back to uh, the early 1950s. I have an attitude about them. I remember the Cold War. I have an attitude towards Castro. I believe if Castro and the, and the, and the Reds had won the Cold War, there would have been executions in Central Park, and I might have been one of the ones getting executed. And certain other people would be there cheering, okay? So I have a problem with people who took the other side. I don't know who Bernie, Bernie supports over these years. I don't know what he means by social. One week it's Denmark. We're going to be like Denmark. Okay, that's harmless. That's, a, that's basically a capitalist country with a lot of good social welfare programs. Denmark is harmless. It's pretty clearly in the Denmark is category. He? Yeah. Are you sure? How do you know? Did he tell you that? Well, I mean, that's what he says, and that's what his agenda calls for, right? Yeah, yeah. He's not calling yeah, for well, any. Let's I mean, see. Let's see. Let's figure that one out. A, well, we haven't seen a, a campaign yet. Where video of him praising the other version, right? Which is and that has been used. Well, but that will be used. That's a question we of how, seen how that plays. Of how tangible, what what the effect that has. In well, what does he think of Castro? That's a great question. What did you think of Fidel Ismo? We all thought he was great when he first. I thought he was cheering like mad for him okay. when he first went in, and hold then he became a communist and started shooting okay. every one of his enemies. Okay, hold, so, hold, hold those thoughts on the Cuban. Hold those thoughts on Cuban revolution. I have to go back to the spin room and Democratic presidential candidate. That's amazing first of all good shit man first of all yeah that's a stone moment first of all so much to unpack there he starts off by saying he has some opinions that he's gonna keep private but except for the ones that i'm not going to yeah right i have an attitude by the way i'm gonna start this tradition where i recite my own tweets if you don't mind chris matthews is a slightly delusional lifelong drunk of an uncle who's especially drunk at a family function chris hayes is the wholesome mortified nephew trying to quiet his uncle joanne reads his sober sister-in-law who should know better but it's egging matthews on not that funny but no it's good i like it first can i just interject and say that i i I'm familiar with that situation, and I I like the uncle. Right. Yes. Yeah. He just maybe I'm always secretly be, rooting for that uncle. Right. You just so. don't necessarily want him on national television. Right. That's true. Yes. There I go. mean, I cannot get over that. I just I know I should, and it makes me naive, but I cannot get over just, just that. Just to boil down what he's saying, he's saying I'm I'm concerned that Bernie Sanders might have me shot in Central, Central Park. Park. Yeah. We, this is really like a psychologist or psychiatrist like gold mine. It's a treasure trove. Like Chris Matthews is revealing so much about his inner inner um, monologues, about his his psychology, about his anxieties, his fears of being shot in Central Park, his fears of communism. He's straight up out of like he's probably. I wonder if he like his his default mode is just hiding under a desk. Mm-hmm. Like this is so old school Red Scare. And he feels very emasculated by communism, I think, and by Fidel well, Castro. Well, okay, I'm going to push back on this. Uh-uh. I'm going to I'm going to do the devil's advocate thing. 
Because I think what a lot of people are responding to, they're, they're, a lot of people who grew up in the Cold War, I mean, the communists have a legitimately horrifying record. They murdered, you know, tens of millions of people. Sure. And, you know, and not just in one place either. There, there are lots of, uh, many different regimes where there are all kinds of atrocities. So... We have them too, though. Capitalists have those too. Yes, absolutely. Okay. The Nazis sure, yeah. have them, but the, yeah. but the, I, I, I think it's sometimes lost as a discussion point on on the left. Yeah, that there, that there is that kind of. But political he's a violence. so right. But he's a social. He's a democratic socialist. Like that's what he. Yeah, makes Sanders clear. is yeah. No, has nothing to do with any any of yeah. that. He sound, but he sounds like a crazy person, Chris Matthews. Like yes, why is he actually afraid that Bernie Sanders' election will result in? Central Park executions where people are cheer what's up with the cheering it on thing I guess he's maybe in that case the Sanders supporters are the are the people cheering on the uh, Central Park executions I get, yeah right they're the Bernie bros yeah like kill, yeah kill, yeah kill, kill right? yeah yeah and then you got Joanne Reed oh I know smiling She's smiling as Chris Matthews engages in this insanity who's does she say anything to push back no her response is well we haven't seen how a campaign video against Sanders in the Soviet Union or something will run. Now, this is why this is so disingenuous. The, the media does this a lot. They pretend that they're just reporting on what the other media will do, but they are the other media. Like, they're pretending that this will be seen. She even said that it was a liability that Sanders, you know, sided with the Sandinistas. I'm like, have you ever read about the Contras? They skin people. They were skinners. Right. Terrorists, like that was their official policy. Any human rights organization would tell you that, even like totally like mealy mouth moderate ones. So the fact that Joanne Reed in a tweet from a couple of years ago says that that Sanders being siding with the Sandinistas was one of his liabilities. No, you're saying that like you're it's not an inevitability. Right. And the media often reports on framing as an inevitability as opposed to this framing that they're in which they're complicit. Yeah. Like Sidney Ember did not have to write that weird hit piece about Sanders being at a rally in Nicaragua where some people said death to Yan the Yankees. Right, like allegedly. It, allegedly, yeah. and asked him if he... So this is just ridiculous, and I and the Joanne Reed thing is almost scarier than the Chris Matthews thing because Chris Matthews just looks like an insane drunk uncle, as y usual. They're this is going to be part of the playbook going forward, which is... Sanders is he's uh, not uncomfortable with the word socialist. Right. And so they're going to equate socialism with everyone from Stalin to Pol Pot to, right, exactly. you know, to Castro right. to, you know, to some others who are not, not so great. Right. And, you know, the, the, they're going to set up the question as, is he, is he like the good socialism yeah. or the, or the right. evil head chopping right. socialism? Also, I don't really, he's like so stupid about this. Yeah, Castro became a communist because the United States... Like, he started out as more of a nationalist, and if you want to talk about history and, like, what the lessons are from the Cold War, the United States, like, pushed him into this because they forced him into the arms of the Soviet Union. Yeah, it's a similar situation to Ho Chi Minh or yeah. whatever, but, yeah. You're an insane person, Chris Matthews, and you're so lazy. Like, look at the guy's pr platform. As yeah. Chris Hayes points it's, out. It's completely over the top. Like, you know, is Bernie Sanders going to shoot me in Central Park is is, is crazy. But so. I think we should start a new feature. Like, we have the four basic food groups. Uh, isn't that terrible? Isn't that weird? Uh, Democrats suck. Republicans suck. Isn't I that think Chris we Matthews? should have, well, I was going to say Central Park execution of the week. Okay. Where we decide who would be metaphorically executed in Central Park. Who or do we say, like, paintball shot? Could we have them paintball shot in Central Park? Paintball victim of the week? Let's just say, you know, if we were 
if we were in charge of the country, these are the people we would send to Central Park for something. Yeah. 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 Central Park list of the week. Has that? Yeah, the list. Yeah. Central yeah. Park visitor of the week. Stone right, so moments. Stone moments. Uh, again, Joe Biden uh, had a had a great one this week. So let's go to the videotape. We're in New Hampshire, right? Hi, my name is Madison, and I'm an econ student at Mercer University. And oh, awesome! Um, so I'm going to be a little bit mean for a second, okay? So, um, so you're arguably the candidate with the greatest advantage in this race. You've been the vice president. You weren't burdened down by the impeachment trials. So how? Are, in participation. So how do you explain the performance in Iowa, and why should the voters believe that you can win the national election? It's a good question. Number one, Iowa's a Democratic caucus. You ever been to a caucus? No, you haven't. You're a blind dog-faced pony soldier. You said you were. Now you got to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. Lying dog-faced pony soldier. Because she, she brought up that he didn't do well in Iowa, his pushback to that is like, well, the, he's about to explain the caucuses, the caucus system, right? Yeah. He asks her if she knows what it is. She says yes. She says yes. And then that's when he calls her a lying... A lying dog-faced dog pony, pony soldier. soldier. Yeah. And so uh, I think it's actually come up in this show before. He has said this before. It's, it, we couldn't it, understand it, right? I, I had heard him say something once and I didn't understand what he was yes. saying. Yes. And uh, let's look at the videotape. Yes. He said it in this in an exchange uh, about a month ago. Yeah. President Obama promised my father that if he likes this plan, he would keep this plan, and that his insurance will be cheaper. After passage, this plan is no longer allowed, and his insurance costs double. Since you supported the plan, were you lying to my dad, or did you not understand the bill he supported? Lying dog face punish no, look. Okay. <laughs> but it's weird because he called that guy a lying dog face pony soldier, even though he said right after, yes, you're right. Because he was saying, like, was that no one understood Obamacare and he was admitting that the, it had problems? Yeah. So is he calling Obama a lying dog face pony soldier? No, he was calling the, the kid. The, the kid, the, or the, yeah, the kid, basically. Uh, well, it's not clear because the, the, the kid was saying. Were you lying then, or will you? Right. Were you lying oh, now? maybe he was so like, you might have just you, yeah. said it inadvertently. Anyway, it's a it's from a John Wayne movie. No, it's it's well, I don't know if John Wayne's in it. It's a Tyrone Power movie. Oh, okay. The, the movie is actually called Pony Soldier. I did actually see this movie once upon a time, oh, a million weird. years ago. It's like a really kind of weird western uh, with a lot of people who are not Native Americans uh, playing Native Americans and. Tyrone Power. There's a line in this movie, uh, Pony Soldier, uh, where he, he, somebody calls him lying dog face pony soldier. So this movie is from when? 1952? Yeah, it's yeah. a recent hit. So that's only, what, 67 years ago? Right. 68 years ago? It was back when Joe Biden was, uh, right before he Back when Joe Biden was a mere 58 years old. Yeah. Or whatever it right, is. Right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right before, right after he, before he was working as a uh, civil rights advocate by being a lifeguard at a black pool where the black children would admire his golden leg hair yeah his gold his golden leg hair so this is just weird right like the, yeah. i think he's to be to say that you have to assume that people know where the line comes from right no nah, not joe not biden he doesn't care he doesn't care so he's, if you're just randomly blurting out at a crowd lying dog-faced pony soldier right and people don't make the association yeah. 
I guess I don't think he has that much forethought. Did he think the golden leg hair thing would resonate? At least I guess people understand that. It's weird. I think if you make a cultural reference ran- randomly, yeah. you have to have some expectation that the audience is going right. to know what it is. No, but I think you're right. What makes us stoned as opposed to just Joe Biden being Joe Biden is that it, we're used to him saying really inappropriate things. Like he could have easily just called someone a lying dog. Right. Like he would have done that. You could imagine him doing that. Yeah. But it's like. There's a the element that he he failed for Biden because he used a, re- a cultural reference that doesn't land. Yeah, it's not the outrageous insult that's weird for Biden. That's just your standard Biden. It's well, that it, it it's a little weird too that he oh you know, it's a, he, he's yeah. so hostile to people. And this is what part right. part of the thing that I wrote about in my piece from Iowa is right. just that he goes from zero to hostile like yeah. in a second right. you know and and he and chris know, matthew should hang out yeah i mean when people give any indication that they're not there to like tell joe how awesome he is yeah. he suddenly goes completely defensive and he says you know if you don't like me vote, like, for, vote, someone you vote for someone else like screw you basically yeah. there's a great scene from iowa when he was like grabbing somebody by the jacket lapel and asking the guy to explain why you know and, and it turned out the guy was actually he thought the guy was a Bernie supporter. It turned out he was a Steyer supporter, and he like he he relaxed Not his threatened hands. Threatened by Steyer, yeah, he wants exactly. To make sure Steyer oh, Steyer, good, you know. Um, so he's he's pretty weird, and I think I think this is getting progressively worse. Do the we situation. have right? I guess I'm just saying that that's not weird. We're used to him being weirdly abusive to uh, his his people who question him at all. So the only thing that makes this stoned, remember, the threshold right, for yes. Biden stoned is a lot different from normal people. That's true. So what makes this comment worthy? Is that he's is throwing that out a random yeah, exactly, cultural yeah. reference that, right. you know, the from other 67 is, years ago right. or 68 years ago. The other thing is just Biden being Biden. Yeah. Do we have a video of, of, of Biden? Um, can you look for really quickly? It, it, Biden, why, 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 why? Mr. Vice President. Why, why attack Sanders? Why, 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 You'll you'll see him, you know, you know, the way I put it in the piece is that he he looks like he wants to pull people in by the ears and yeah. speed eat their faces, yeah, you yeah. know? Like that's that's kind of the thing and he he does that repeatedly. I was a little offended by that reference because uh you were invisibilizing Cory Booker, who we used to credit as the one who the real face eater in the race. Right, yeah. No, but he but Biden It's different, yeah. yeah he, he there's like a soul suction too that would happen. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's which true. wouldn't happen with Cory Booker. Yeah. And to be fair, Cory Booker would never eat your face. He just has that intensity. Look, yeah, his right, eyes. Exactly, yeah, no. Eyes, Bi- yeah. Biden, I think, is a real threat to actually physically bite right. someone in this. Over I, yeah, the course. I like so, the like, way I, the, the the reporter's laughing. Yeah, yeah, like, he's exactly. Freaked out, obviously. No well, one. Well, the same thing. From the, not to go on about this too much, but the guy, the, the guy he poked in Iowa, this yeah. guy Ed Fallon. There was a moment when when Biden was poking him and. 
he's saying, do you think Bernie's going to do something for you in 2020? And the guy's like, dude, I support Steyer, you know? Like, at that moment, he, he, gave, the, he gave the same kind of uncomfortable, like, thank God he's not going to like, eat me. Oh, look, right, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, so you see that a lot in Biden interactions, that kind of, like, uncomfortable, nervous uh, response. It's like a safety word. Yeah. Whatever yeah, non-Bernie yeah, safety whatever word, yeah. candidate. Trump Steyer. Yeah. <laughs> Amy Klobuchar. Amy Klobuchar. <laughs> Another story from... Um, Mayor Pete's campaign is that Jordan Sheridan, who's a journalist, yep. he and his cameraman. Saw Jordan in Iowa. Oh yeah, so mm-hmm. I don't know if this is before or after, but he and his cameraman were told to to leave. They were followed around. They were said that they didn't have like they weren't allowed to be there. And uh, this is something that happened to his uh, cameraman, who had his credentials r- literally like just grabbed. They just took them off of his chest or whatever. Let's Here, listen. let's listen to the videotape. Yeah. Like I said, I went through an ordeal where I was just filming, doing my job as a journalist. The lady walked up to me and she just ripped the credentials right off my jacket and then spoke to me and said, hey, I don't think that you guys are supposed to have credentials. I don't think you guys are supposed to be here. And I'm like, well, before I could explain and ask, how did I get a name tag with my name on it if I snuck in? I was like, listen, I'm going to talk to my boss, all right? We're going to walk over there. You're not kicking me out before I have a word. And that's how we, had, we got into the argument. So, wait, 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 to be clear, she came up to you and ripped your name tag off before she said anything. She ripped my name tag off and then said, I'm sorry, I don't think you're supposed to have credentials. You just ripped my credential right off me. And then, I'm not stupid. Can we just back up just for a second? Yeah. This whole issue of credentials with media credentials at campaign events is just stupid. Like, 99 times out of 100, it's a completely casual thing. Like, you call them up on the day... And you say, I work for X outlet. And they say, okay. And they put you on a list. There's no vetting procedure. There's no security, anything. They just put you on a list and you go in. You can show up without one and say, you know, I I work for, you know, the, the, I don't know, the daily atrocity in China or whatever it is, right? And and they'll they'll put you in the list. Like, they don't care. Right. All right? And most campaigns are happy to have as much press as they want. The only re- reason anybody would ever go out of their way to take your credential away is if they know you're giving you bad press, right. which is just stupid. Right, because you know? guess what gives you really bad press now? I just don't, I don't yeah. know why they would do, bother doing this. It's yeah. just so silly. And his cameraman, by the way, just wanted, his uh, Twitter name is Cinematic Jones, and this, the show is called Status Quo. So since uh, we, we had a positive reaction last week when we talked talk a little bit of sports, got to ask you, do you like the, the Wiggins trade? I feel conflicted. Not sure. What are you conflicted about? On the one hand... Does it make them better next year or not? Well, that's what I'm conflicted about. It could make them better. It could also make them worse. Well, look, when they get all their horses back, is he going to be a guy who's going to be happy being the, you know, the number four or five option on that, on that kind of a team? I mean, I think he'd be happier being the one. That's right, one. which is why he should have stayed in... Exa- in Idaho. <laughs> Where should he have stayed? Minnesota. In Minnesota. And what sport is this? This is basketball. He should have stayed in Minnesota. It's cold, but he's number one. Right. And now he's in... Golden State. Golden State, which is California. California, yes. So he's warm, but he's number four or five. Right. So I think the whole, you know, meteorology is very important in sports I mean, I think the rationale for the the Warriors here was really just not so much about the personnel, but about the the, the draft compensation. Draft compensation. They're getting Minnesota's lightly protected number one pick for next year. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like the whole idea... I'd like him to be more protected. More protected. 
Not just slightly protected. Not just slightly protected. Like, so you want enhanced protection for the pick for next year. Yeah. You do. More security. Okay. What do you think about the, what Miami did? You know what drives me crazy about Miami? They so have much. no space. They have no assets, nothing. But they're somehow always able to pull off these deals. I mean, what's your, what, how does Pat Riley do this? I think the dolphin imagery. Am I right? They're dolphins, <laughs> no, right? They're, they're heat. There's some Miami dolphins. Yeah, that's football. Exactly. I think the dolphin imagery is so compelling that it transfers over from the football. It doesn't uh-huh. even matter what genre of sport it is. There's just such a strong association with Miami dolphins. And dolphins? And dolphins are a loving, peace-loving species. They save people's lives. They really do. They're like the Bernie Sanders of, of uh, sea mammals. Okay. I've been swimming. Now, full disclosure, I've been swimming with them. So that but that, that that accounts for your bias. Yeah, in this I may segment. be pro. Yeah, and I you know I like to be as rigorous and objective in my sports analysis as I am in my politics analysis. Mm-hmm. But I think that yeah that that definitely we can't we can't dismiss that. Also the heat. Yeah. Again, warm weather. Right. It's just so inviting. So they right. don't have assets. They don't have space. So, so how do you explain the deal from Memphis's side? I mean, they took on a lot of money just to get Justice Winslow. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, they're very committed to fairness. It's justice with an S, not with a C. No matter how it's spelled, okay. justice is justice. Goes uh-huh. back to what we're saying about the law versus justice. Maybe because you're more of a Scalia type, you don't get it. Right. But people like me of the Thurgood Marshall tradition, uh-huh. um, we see justice and we prioritize that. Um Justice Winslow? Yes. I think that having the name Win in it. Although there's also slow, so it's a real gamble. They don't know if he's going to be a winner. He's a winner or a, or a slow or a, folk. Right. He, he, I see. So he could make them, he could bring a winning culture to them. Right. But he could also slow, slow the down. process. But right? maybe it's like slow and steady wins the race. Right. Yes. Because people don't talk enough about how track and field lessons apply to basketball. Do they apply to basketball? They could, yeah. I mean, Bernie Sanders, and this is actually a very important point, and Uh I'm glad I'm here to make it, he's good at both basketball and long-distance track. Mm Mm-hmm. So you I brought think, Bernie Sanders into both of these I analogies. I think that the reason, the reason that I'm going to go out on a limb and say, from what I know, because I'm someone who in, watches a lot of sports, I think that the reason that Sanders is so good at basketball is because he brings that long-distance runner, je ne sais quoi, to it. Right. Also why he's good at running races. He can right. stay, run the, go the distance. And but, why fitness is really important in basketball because... Because you got to jump. To put the balls in the hoops. Right. You gotta, there's a lot of, you gotta be, um, you can't travel. Right, that's true. So you gotta have good leg muscle action. Mm-hmm. You gotta be able to stop yourself. Yeah. Because if not, you're gonna wobble all over. No, I hear, I hear what you're saying. Here's what I will say. If we had to choose between Winslow, of Winslow and a lose fast. You'd, you'd rather win slow? I think, yeah. So I think they made the right choice because it could have been a lose fast. Um, and I think Patrick, no, I think Pat Riley. Yes. I like Pat Riley. You do. He's consistent. He's got He's good been hair. around for a while. Mm-hmm. His hair's consistent. Mm-hmm. His coaching's consistent. His wrinkles haven't moved that much. Not too much. I feel no. like he's good. They don't go anywhere. Right. Other people's, they expand. So overall, uh, interesting, overall, yeah. interesting trade deadline. What do you think? What, where do you fall on it? 
It, I thought it was an interesting deadline. There were a lot of, a lot of deals made. Good uh, or bad, though? Uh, you know, the, most of them were good for, yeah. for all the teams combined. I just didn't, I didn't really understand it from Golden State's point of view. I right. Well, they're always a, a mystery, Golden State. They're yeah, foggy. Well, except, for the, except for the last five years of total dominance. But, but yeah. Right. But, but the motives are always mysterious. mysterious I find them mysterious, right, even yeah. though it works out. So and maybe I, I didn't like that deal for, for Memphis. I didn't like the Iguodala deal. I thought that was a mistake. They, 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 they had a chance to really, to really bleed uh, the heat, and they didn't do it. And uh, so great insights. Thank Terrific. you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're, wel- you're welcome. Yeah. Actually, yeah. not thank you. You're welcome. So excited yep. to interview Congressman, Representative Ro Khanna. Yep. Great guy. Represents California's 17th District. Native of Philly, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Philly mm-hmm. born, Philly raised, um, a jurist. Mm-hmm. Also the vice, uh, also a co-chair of the Bernie Sanders for President campaign. Wow. We've never had anybody associated with that campaign on this show. What's his name? Bernie Wu? Who? <laughs> I didn't mean Wu. Who? Yeah. No, we're looking forward to talking. Yeah. So let's do it. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. You are a renaissance man of, of politics. Um, many causes <laughs> that you're a champion for. You're also the co-chair of the um, Bernie Sanders for President campaign. Uh, if you could tell us uh, your thoughts on the latest uh, in Iowa and moving forward in New Hampshire. Starting with the imbroglio in, in, in yeah. Iowa. Well, look, we did very well in Iowa. As you know, we got the most votes. Uh, obviously, we mar- lost very narrowly the state delegate equivalent. But the, at the end of the day, uh, we showed that we brought out young people. We brought out minority communities. We brought out uh, labor, working families. And I think that's the coalition we're going to need uh, to win. And I'm very, very confident headed into New Hampshire that we're going to win there. Uh, and then we go to Nevada, where we're very strong. Uh, so we may have a sense here of having uh, uh, won the popular vote in Iowa, won winning in New Hampshire, and then winning in Nevada, uh, which will put us in very strong shape for the nomination. Are, are you are you certain that you lost the state delegate equivalents in Iowa? Is that a certainty at this point? It's not. Uh, you know, I know that our campaign is asking for some of the precincts to be uh, recounted uh, because we're fighting for every delegate. But the blame here really is not, in my view, with the Iowa party or the people in Iowa. I have full confidence that people in Iowa are honest and they've been doing this for 50 years. The blame is uh, with the DNC. I mean, why was Tom Perez not uh, involved in getting a a good app there? Why were they not allowed to do virtual caucuses? Uh, Why didn't they have a system reform if they were going to uh, then move more towards a popular vote like the Republicans have? So my sense is uh, for future cycles, we'll have to have a conversation uh, about certain reforms in the caucus and better technology and infrastructure. Uh, but I, I really blame uh, uh, Perez much more than, than I blame the Iowa Democratic Party or the people in Iowa. Do you think he should step down? Well, that's not for me to say. And I, I what I think he should do is apologize to the voters in Iowa, apologize to the state party, assume responsibility and instead of trying to blame someone else uh, and work with them uh, to reform the process for the future. Uh, And he also has a lot of work to do, candidly, with the uh, Congressional Black Caucus, the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, with members of Congress. Uh, So, you know, I think he needs to be a little more uh, willing to listen to other perspectives. We could send him an agenda. We'll send him a plan that he has to follow and he can check off a checkoff list. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let me just say they're not 
I, I've never heard positive comment, comments about him on, on the floor of Congress, uh, especially recently. So he's got a lot of work to do. And what is that? Cre- there's that rule that they're recounting, but you can't correct it. Like if you see a rounding error, you can't correct it. Uh, you just have to make sure that you've copied over the number. Yeah, look, I think they're, they have to reform this. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, you need 1,990 delegates to win. Uh, we have to look forward. Uh, yes, we have to make sure we fight for every delegate. But what's going to matter is how does Bernie Sanders build a broad coalition? How do right. we unify the party so that if he has a plurality of the delegates, he, he wins at the DNC? And my advice to him and my focus of the campaign is let's win New Hampshire. Let's move forward. Yeah. Let's be unifying. Yeah. And let's let Trump demagogue this issue. I mean, the next day, Trump is saying, well, New Hampshire and Iowa will never lose their status while I'm president. Why is he saying that? Because he knows that Iowa and New Hampshire are both swing states and they both of them. Obama carried both of them. And then we lost uh, Iowa to Hillary Clinton. We can easily carry that state this time, especially given the president's policies, which have hurt farmers with the trade war, uh, which have hurt uh, farmers because of his waivers for oil companies uh, and not having ethanol as part of that. So we ought not to let the Republicans win uh, in in this whole mess. Uh, Congressman, I want to move on to a topic that um, I spent a lot of time on, but you absolutely have in, in the last years, few years especially, which is defense spending. First, if you could explain to people who don't know what the AUMF is, and then uh, tell us about your efforts to uh, to repeal that and what the latest status of that is. I appreciate that. That has been one of my biggest causes in Congress to uh, end the war in Yemen, to stop a war in Iran, and working with Barbara Lee, who is a profile in Courage, uh, to repeal uh, the authorization of military force. You know, in 2001, when we were hit uh, in uh, on 9-11, uh, everyone believed that we had to go after the terrorists who hit us. And uh, most people uh, supported, including me, the strikes on al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. But no one believed back then that that authorization of military force should still be applicable nearly 20 years later. And it's being used to still stay in Afghanistan for a mission that has totally changed. Now the fight isn't against Al-Qaeda who hit us uh, in, on 9-11. It's, against, it's trying to take on the Taliban and create a new government. And that authorization of force combined with the authorization of force to go after Saddam Hussein, which was wrong and which I opposed, is now being used to broadly justify almost every conflict in the Middle East and around the world. So what Barbara Lee has been saying, what I've been saying, and what many Republicans agree with, is we need to repeal this authorization of military force. 75% of Congress wasn't even there when it was passed. And let's have a new authorization that's far more limited in time and geography that would make it clear that the president has the right to go after terrorists that are a threat, direct threat to our homeland, but doesn't give them carte blanche to have endless war. So people are clear that the original authorization to use military force, that was pretty narrowly restricted to people who had some kind of direct connection to 9-11. What wasn't, wasn't, that was my understanding of it. And it's since been used to target groups that weren't even in existence on 9-11. Donald Trump, I think, last year uh, classified the entire uh, Iranian uh, Republican Guard as terrorists, so they could be gone after under under the AUMF. Um, It's been a total perversion of what the original concept was, isn't it? It's been a total perversion. Now, the only person who had the foresight was Barbara Lee. I mean, she said, look, this is too broadly written. 
There's no restriction on time. There's no restriction on geography. It was poorly crafted. But we have to remember the mood at the time. I mean, we were in a traumatic shock as a nation uh, when we lost all those lives uh, in New York with the buildings coming down and we rushed to give the Bush authorization. Uh, that language was way overbroad. Barbara Lee warned us about that. And now presidents continue to uh, abuse it to go after, as you point out, terrorists uh, that have no collect connection to 9-11. That's why it needs to be repealed. And the House voted to repeal it uh, just uh, two weeks ago. Uh, and it's uh, now with the Senate to repeal. The reason it doesn't get repealed is because the House and Senate can't agree on what a narrow construction of authorization of force would look like. Uh, but the fact that we can't agree on the, the, the uh, alternative is not a reason not to repeal it. If you repeal it, frankly, it will force the Congress and Senate to come up with something. This issue came up also when, in the passage of the defense bill in, uh, in December. And I remember you had some pretty sharp words uh, after that was passed. I, I believe one member of the caucus, the Democratic caucus, says it was the most progressive defense bill ever, uh, ever passed. Uh, I think they were they were happy Probably because Republican, there had maybe. been some family leave provisions that had been added in in exchange for some pretty horrible things on the other side. Like they were allowed, they were gutting the uh, prohibitions against funding the, the Saudi uh, you know, proxy war in Yemen. Um, can you talk about what? what your feelings were at the passage of that defense bill? Well, Senator Sanders, and I called it an act of moral cowardice. And let's just be clear what happened. President Obama left the defense spending uh, at uh, about 620 billion. And our country was safe and secure. Trump increased it in this budget by $120 billion, $740 billion higher than where Obama left it. You know what we could do for $140 billion? We could give every person in this country a free public college, free trade school, and give every kid a free school lunch, and we'd still have money left over. Now, you tell me, do you think we ought to be doing that, or we ought to be increasing the defense budget? But what is worse than the massive increase in defense that is robbing our kids of education and school lunches uh, is that they stripped my amendment which would have prevented the Soleimani killing. There was just an article today, actually, in the New Hampshire paper. I encourage people to read it. And the author says that uh, my amendment would have prohibited the Soleimani killing. I had an amendment which said that the Pentagon could use no resources to go after uh, Iran or Iranian officials. And the Pentagon fought tooth and nail to get that strip. We would not have uh, had that situation arise, had we just said, no, you Pentagon, we're not going to fund you without that amendment. Uh, if that we had done that, we would have avoided all of this escalation in Iran. Uh, so it's important to realize this, not because I'm saying, oh, I was right, or Senator Sanders was right. It's important to realize that Congress actually does have the power of the purse. We can stop these endless wars. Uh, we would have done so uh, two months ago, but it was caving to the Pentagon demands uh, that led in part to the president abusing uh, his uh, uh, office and uh, authorizing these Soleimani strikes. And at some point we have to ask, what does resistance to this president really mean? It's not just casting an impeachment vote, it's making sure that we're not giving him a carte blanche uh, to his Pentagon. 
I mean, yeah, right. What's the the symbolism of tearing up a speech? Doesn't mean to me a whole lot compared to, I don't know, passing the defense bill in that situation. But the, does it ever blow your mind that people say, "Oh, how can we pay for X, mm. Y, or Z, Medicare, or you know, free higher education when they're giving exactly those sums of money? Like, how come nobody ever says, "How can we afford right. this when we when we do these massive, massive hikes in defense spending?" It, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, no one talks about wh what would the defense increase uh, of, in that budget actually afford in terms of free public college, in terms right. of school lunches, in terms of early child care. On Medicare for all, how many times have you ever heard, how are you going to pay for right. Medicare for all? Why doesn't anyone say, how are you going to pay for the current system? How are companies yeah. like AT&T and Verizon going to afford a payroll of 25 to 30 percent going for health care costs? Uh, it, are they going to become health care businesses? How are we going to have Americans afford twenty to twenty-four thousand dollars of out-of-pocket expenses or premiums? How is this country going to afford fifty trillion dollars of national health expenditure and that going up? So anytime they talk about how much is Medicare for all going to cost, our answer should be it's going to cost trillions of dollars less than the current system. Because what they try to do is to get a soundbite of how Medicare for all will cost and scare the American people. Obviously, healthcare costs money. Obviously, that's going to be a big number, which Medicare for all costs, but it's less than what the current system costs. And it's just a totally disingenuous form of yeah. argument. To speak as a political scientist, which I'm not, but I found an inverse relationship between the number of lives saved and the number of times they will ask about how you're going to pay for it. So like the better something is, the more times you're gonna be asked how to pay for it and the more people something kills, the fewer times. In fact, you're never asked how you're gonna pay for it when it's something like a war. Um, right. It's only when it's something that's actually gonna save people's lives or make people's lives better that people, the media ask how you're gonna pay for it. And the reality is on a public option, when people keep talking about that, uh, first of all, it's not gonna solve the problem for many Americans who don't go uh, and get prescription drugs or health care, uh, even though they're insured because of the costs. Right. One in four Americans who have insurance uh, skip the proper treatment because they don't want to pay the deductible or they don't can't afford the prescription drug costs. For, the public option does nothing for them. Second, what is a public option going to be? It's going to mean the sickest people are going to end up going uh, for the public option and the insurance companies will game the system to have the healthier people on their uh, insurance and the costs will still go up. So these tough questions are not asked of the candidates who are proposing these uh, more incremental plans and all of the fire is directed uh, at people proposing Medicare for all. Finally, I mean, I, I heard, you know, I have a lot of respect, uh, you know, for the vice president. I was with, in the Obama administration, but he said offhandedly that he wouldn't pick a running mate who was for Medicare for all, as if Medicare for all is some uh, far left position. Yeah. Just for the uh, record, Jimmy Carter ran on it in 76. It was part of our platform until 1980. Harry Truman was for it. Every Democratic candidate was for it until 1980. And we won swing states. Harris Wofford ran on it in 1991 to win Pennsylvania. So we can disagree philosophically, but don't right. let people believe that somehow it's unelectable on Medicare right. for all. So you can disagree. And I mean, he's wrong, but he can say it's bad policy, but he shouldn't pretend it's bad politics. But given that exactly. it overwhelmingly also has mass support. Yeah. That's a one. That's a much more succinct way to say what I was trying to say. Take it. Run with it. You can call it the Katie Helper analysis. Yeah.
Getting back a little bit to defense spending, because that's such a bailiwick of yours. One, could you tell people a, a little bit about how much their uh, total is spent on defense? Because it's not just that $738 billion number, right? I mean, there's the the Department of Energy, there's, there's uh, the State Department, DHS. How much total um, money is spent on defense when you count it all up? And if you could help people understand what uh, overseas uh, contingency operations are, war or war funding, because it seems right. that that's a it's a it's a workaround around limits on defense spending, isn't it? It is. Well, the overseas contingency fund is about a hundred and over a hundred billion, hundred and thirty, hundred forty billion. It's part of that seven hundred thirty-eight billion number I gave you, but it's basically a fund which the Pentagon can use for overseas wars, and that's why we need to restrict it. I mean, why would you want to give the president that kind of discretion? But you're absolutely right. The Pentagon spending is not the full story. I mean, it's well over a trillion dollars when you add in all of the other agencies uh, that are spending money on national security. And then it's trillions of dollars when you look at our obligations from these endless wars, because it's led uh, to so many veterans who have been hurt, who have been disabled, uh, who aren't being able to come into the workforce. Obviously, we have to do right by them. Uh, and that means that those wars have cost us and will cost us trillions of dollars. So the question we have to ask ourselves is what would be a better investment for all these trillions of dollars in endless war? Are we safer today when we now have 40 terrorist groups, when terrorist groups are now spread to over 20 countries? Or would we have been safer and better off as a country if we had put those trillions of dollars into infrastructure, into education, into healthcare? And I think most Americans would say the latter. And Democrats shouldn't be afraid of making that case. You've spent a lot of time focusing on waste and inefficiency in the Defense Department. I think there was a company called TransDIGM that you you uh, spent a lot of time on. Uh, obviously, the, 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 the Pentagon has never passed an audit. They've spent billions of dollars getting to the point where they even have uh, concluded that they can't pass an audit. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the problems that you've uncovered? I appreciate your bringing up Transdime. I did that uh, my first week in office. I uh, got a, a, a journalist who came to me and he said, this is outrageous. This company was going up, buying small businesses that were supplying to the Pentagon, gobbling them up and raising the price a thousand percent, five thousand percent. It was so bad that we had a bipartisan hearing that I uh, led. I worked on this with Senator Warren and uh, Congressman Tim Ryan, and we had a bipartisan hearing. Uh, and even the Republicans uh, couldn't defend in any way what Transdime did and started uh, being appalled at what was going on. And Transdime had to, had to reimburse the federal government $16 million. They admitted that they had overcharged and they wrote a check to us for $16 million. This ought to be bipartisan. You know, the reason Harry Truman became president was because of the Truman Commission, which he led as a senator where he, in a bipartisan basis, went after defense contractors saying it was outrageous that defense contractors were profiting while ordinary Americans were going, risking their lives to fight the Germans uh, in World War II and the Japanese. Uh, and my point is that uh, Democrats should uh, lead a bipartisan coalition to say that the spending there of the defense contractors and the way they're gouging the public is outrageous. I mean, is there, isn't one of the problems there that uh, defense contractors, it's very, very difficult to know when they are gouging the, the government, right? I mean, they're, they're the warning systems to tell us when 
the their their uh, the, the overruns are real or or when they're when they're uh, being padded it's it's not a very good system is it there there aren't sufficient controls there there're not sufficient controls and i think we need uh, to have far more transparency uh, in uh, having the Pentagon disclose what the costs are, making sure that there's a competitive bidding so you don't have just monopoly contractors. You need a president who's going to put people at uh, defense who really are going to look at uh, the costs and the sensitivity of, of the costs and what the American people are, are paying. I mean, it's our largest Think about this for a second. In terms of discretionary federal spending, things that Congress has control over, defense is over half. Over half of discretionary federal spending is on the Armed Services Committee where I sit. Don't you think if you're talking about saving government taxpayers money, you would start with what something that's over half of discretionary spending? You're also um, at the one of the the people who opposes FOSTA and SESTA, which I think is very brave to do because a lot of people then portray that as uh, being pro-sex, like pro-trafficking. Can you explain to people why those bills are dangerous? I appreciate that. I was one of about 20 people who voted against FOSTA-SESTA. And now with Senator Warren, I have a bill uh, that calls for a study of the impact FOSTA-SESTA has had on sex workers. Uh, what FOSTA-SESTA does is basically criminalize uh, speech regarding sex work online. And this has led to sex workers, many, by the way, who are women of color or people who are transgender, no longer being able to uh, do that work online where they can screen their clients, have some sense of safety, uh, and they have been forced, frankly, on the streets. And what you have seen is increase in sexual assault, increase in uh, violence against them, uh, and what they're asking for uh, is to, to be allowed to do some of this work in a way that is safe. Uh, and uh, the reality is we passed FOSTA-SESTA without a single sex worker or sex worker group even offering testimony in Congress. I mean, it's one thing to reject their arguments. Right. It's another thing to not even hear them. And right. so what I, my bill now calls for is a comprehensive study on what this has done and frankly, it's made it harder for law enforcement also because uh, now many of the sites that uh, uh, were having uh, sex work uh, have shut down and the sex traffickers, which everyone agrees should be right. illegal, they've gone uh, to sites that are not even in the country. Right, yeah. Well, lastly, I mean, uh, in terms of the Thank Sanders you. campaign, um, you know, as, as we head out of New Hampshire and towards Super Tuesday, what's your reaction been to the media response to the Sanders campaign. There's just so, there's been so much overt hostility to the, the notion of uh, Sanders as a candidate. What, you have people on panelists who are talking about how can we stop Bernie. Uh, do you feel that there's been um, uh, you know bias in the press in covering this this uh, presidential campaign? I think people just need to listen to what Bernie Sanders is actually saying. Here here's Bernie Sanders' platform in a nutshell. Everyone in this country should have health care. Everyone in this country should get a decent education. Everyone in this country should have the opportunity to get a good job. Everyone in this country should have uh, child care uh, or some form of uh, ability to raise their kids. I mean, is that really a radical platform? So scary. That, that, I'm scared. That, you know, that's what this country gave to me as son of immigrants. I was uh, born in Philadelphia and I got to go to a good public school and I had middle class parents who were uh, able to make sure that I had a school lunch and uh, didn't have to worry about childcare. 
that's all that Bernie Sanders is saying. He's saying make sure every American has the chance uh, that Roe had uh, growing up. And you can call that whatever you want. I call that uh, FDR's ultimate vision. I say he's the most democratic candidate. He's fighting uh, for what the New Deal uh, really was about. So I think that uh, my hope will be that people will say, well, why is Bernie Sanders resonating so much? Why is he getting all this support? Why is he getting a congressman from Silicon Valley supporting him? Does anyone really believe that Bernie Sanders is going to take over Apple computers? No, give me a break. Bernie Sanders is just saying, let's make sure kids get a decent education so they have a chance one day to work at Apple computers. So I would just, I think the media needs to look at what, what about Bernie's campaign is building such a coalition. But do you, do you think the thing that they find uh, offensive or threatening about Sanders is the fact that he's they're just he threatens to reduce the influence of big donors because he's just not taking their money? I mean, is, is that the real subtext to all of this? I think that's part of it. I think the broader part is he, he challenges the entire infrastructure of uh, uh, of power. Uh, you know, he was a, a, a backbencher in the House at one point and. He has now become a, a leading voice in the Senate, but it's not through the uh, traditional means. And so if he were a, a president, uh, you would have different people appointed to all of the positions. It wouldn't be the uh, traditional individuals and you'd have different people uh, running the Democratic Party. And that's a real challenge to the status quo. And I do think that that's part of what makes people really uneasy uh, about Bernie Sanders. I mean, he's reforming the party, but I believe he's taking it back to the party's roots. I mean, the question is, is this a progressive party? Roosevelt said his goal in the New Deal was to make the Democrats a progressive party. And really, that's Bernie Sanders' goal. Who's the uh, best dancer uh, among all the surrogates and the campaign? Because we saw Nina Turner and um, Dr. Cornell West really tearing it up on the... on the. Uh, yeah, can you compete with yeah. that? Or, Have or? they, yeah. Well, Dr. West and Nina Turner are amazing. And, you know, if they're on a scale of one to 10, a 10, I'm a zero. So, uh, you know, there are probably people in between. But, right. uh, you know, Bernie's not bad. I don't know if you've seen the clip of him dancing in New Hampshire with one of the uh, volunteers. Uh, one of the things that people don't realize about Sanders, and I've gotten to obviously know him quite well this year and being in Congress, is he has a, uh, a great sense of humor, uh, a, a dry sense of humor. Yeah. He's actually likes cracking jokes. Often they're, you know, like grandfather, uncle right. jokes, but they're jokes nonetheless. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's very, very, he's very comfortable in his own skin and he's doesn't really take criticism personally or seriously. And that quality, I think, is so important, especially when you're running for president. Yeah. He's also saved people's lives, despite Chris Matthews saying that he wouldn't pull over to help someone. Yeah, he's a very decent uh person who's in politics for the right reasons. And this is something that the polling shows because you can't you can't fake it when you run for president. You kind of your personality comes out. And even people who disagree with Bernie Sanders That's who don't want true. him as president say, we can trust him. Yeah, it's true. And I've heard this so many times, even from Republicans uh, in Iowa where I spent time in New Hampshire, some people saying, we'll never vote for your guy, but you know what? We trust him. We believe he believes what he's saying. Yeah, that he's honest, right? Right. Yeah, Congressman, thank you so much for taking yeah. the time. We really appreciate yeah, it, and so uh, good, good luck out in the trail. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I'm a big fan of your podcast, and I uh, hope you keep doing it. It's an important voice out there. <laughs> Thanks. We, so we will. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Care. Bye. Thank you. That was great. I learned something today. You know what I learned? What did you learn? I learned that my policy versus politics line is really good. 
It is. That was that was uh, that was incisive. I hope that he realizes that I'm being self-deprecating. I think he is does. Is that what right? you're being now? Self-deprecating? Now I'm celebrating myself. Oh, okay. All right. But during the interview, I was being self-deprecating. Yeah, that was great, though. He was great. Uh, he's he's super smart guy. I think one of the things about him that's that's really interesting. For all the money we spend on defense, there are very few members in both the House and the Senate who make defense spending their thing. Right. In other words, who, who want to be the go-to people on defense on on let's say the problems with right, defense right. spending. I'm problematizing it. I'm interrogating it. Look, button. Yeah. You know, there are people who obviously who are key in soliciting. Right. You know the the business of the big five defense uh, companies and all that. But there's only a couple who are in the business of looking for the financial problems and, right. you know, or worrying about overruns. You know, Bernie's obviously one. Yeah. Chuck Grassley is another one with spending. Weird. Right. No, terrible. Well, I mean, yeah. Terrible know, politics it's, it's, usually. It's but a fiscal, it's a right, fiscal yeah, thing. Right. You know? Yeah. So, no, I know there is overlap. But he's, you know, he's he's taken up the mantle now in the House. Yeah. He's a young member. I think it's really good to see. And, you know, I think he showed a lot of leadership in, a lot in of December. Courage. A lot of courage. Yeah. When the rest of the 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 caucus wasn't so with right. him on that, which well, was really right. You know. Well, I mean, he's no Nancy Pelosi. He's not ripping up speeches, right? So he'll never be quite as powerful and um, significant and yeah. substantive. But he'll he can try, right? He'll he'll never reach there, but right? He can yeah. maybe he'll never reach. Know, what do you think? Pelosian Heights. Pelosian Heights. Yeah. Mount Pelosi. Yeah, Mount Pelosi. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. Excellent. Um, speaking of soliciting and bravery. He's pretty good on FOSTA-SESTA. Right. Okay, I, I realized that was what the connection you were going to make yeah, there is. Yeah, I know. I saw, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is brave. And it really is one of those things where I, I get very frustrated by people's takes on... Um, so FOSTA-SESTA is the... Um, it's an anti-trafficking bill. But it, the problem is people conflate trafficking with sex work. And a lot of people are really like in, interested in their own feelings and thoughts about it, but not in sex workers. And that's, that's what, I don't mean, you know, interested in, in what's better for them. Right, and not just interested in yeah, sex right, workers. Yeah, right, right, right. There's a lot of interest in that. Woke, okay, problematic. Yeah. By the way, I'm doing woke in two ways. When I say something that sounds very academic-y and like something that a person who considers himself woke would say, right. like interrogate, I tap it. And then when I do something that's not woke, I just wanted, I just wanted I to disclose. I see, okay, because yeah. I was pretty much doing just the latter. Exactly. I just yeah. felt, yeah, I wanted to uh, spice it up a little bit. But yeah, it's really brave of him to be there because, again, people, it's so puritanical and it's so like, does anyone actually think sex work is ever going to go away? Like, when are we going to live in a society that doesn't have that? And so people get lost in there like, oh, it's ra it's it's a it's inherently oppressive. It's, oh, it's inherent. I don't really care what you think of it. Like, I care about and who cares about what I care about? The important thing isn't people's like hot takes on sex work and whether it's empowering or demeaning. They're, every job, there's so many jobs that we could call demeaning. We don't make them illegal. We don't force them into the underground, into the underbelly. Like It's not going to go away. It's obviously safer when it's not illegal. You're much less vulnerable. Yeah. So it just seems like very self-indulgent and self-righteous and, and moralistic and... And uh, you have people who are like, the, the most annoying to me are the ones who consider themselves like feminists. Well, they're really annoying when they're men, like male allies who are mm. like, Why, I don't want to, like, what is the messaging that women are commodities? It's like, yeah, that, that sucks. Right. Like, and would you rather them be dead on the street? Right. And in dumpsters? Yeah. So you could be like, we're not, we're sending the right message. 
Yeah, I think those folks are usually disingenuous. It's similar to me to the way people are about prohibition on, yeah, on yeah, drugs. It similar, it's just yeah. like, okay, the more you enact really, really harsh laws to right. stop something, to, to prohibit something, like the, the more elaborate the workarounds become, right. and then, it, then those become problems. Right. And then, you know, so just find a way to like make your peace with it. Yeah, and, it's harm yeah. reduction. Yeah, I don't care what you think about it. You yeah. don't have to do it. Right. That's the other thing. People are like, well, would you want your boyfriend to go to a prostitute? It's like, no, but there are lots of things I wouldn't want my boyfriend to do that don't need to be illegal. Right. right. I wouldn't want him to vote for Pete, Mayor Pete. Right. Maybe that should be illegal. I'd illegal. I want to make that illegal before I make sex work illegal. Would you want your boyfriend to get high on coke, abduct a child, and rob a bank? At the same time? Yeah. No, because that'll distract. Okay. I want him to do one at a time. Right, okay, in sequence. I mean, to be fair, if he were as prolific and coordinated as that guy we talked about last week who fought off 12 cops while masturbating, right. then he could do it. But right. I don't want him to... Oh, if he had only robbed a bank in the middle of that, that would have been really That would have been that amazing. Been, isn't that in weird? In blackface. In blackface. That, Remember yeah, that right. other guy then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Halloween a costume idea next yeah. year, for next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be right. great. Uh, well, wait, that's... one question quickly. Speaking of wokery... So wait, they actually incorporated like a family leave act into in the defense bill that there was a, a measure that gave federal workers uh, some family leave. So that was part of the horse trading between right. the Democrats and, and Jared Kushner, if I'm not mistaken, who handled the Republicans, the, the, the negotiations from the Republican side or right. from the White House side. So they they got all, all, all sorts of things they, they caved on, like the Yemen stuff. Right. The AUMF stuff, which didn't get repealed until after the Soleimani right. thing, if I'm not mistaken. So that is amazing. So they're like they're giving women. They're that's like pro women's rights, right? Like the Family Leave Act. I mean, it's for men too, but in, in theory, a lot yeah. of it is, comes from like the need to let women take right, off time from work. Well, it's federal workers, but then, then of course they got a lot more on the on the other end, right? They they got the you know, the $738 billion in defense spending. I know. I'm just saying it's, like, amazing. Like, it's, I can't stand the, like, pink drones or whatever that, like, right. you know, like Lockheed Martin having women do X, Y, and Z. Right, like, right. Like, woke, woke imperialism. Right, or, yes. Yeah, that's what this is. I'm tired of it being separate. Like, you don't get to be progressive on domestic issues and not on international. You do, but you're just a hypocrite. Right. You get the big wag of the finger right which you also get if you listen to pod save america oh my god big right. time even more than ever which is why you should subscribe, subscribe uh, rate and review rate and review rate re review and subscribe you to, can mention pod save america in the review if you want yeah pejoratively of course yeah yeah i mean yeah Say the filthiest thing you, the you, fil the, you right? the human filth that find, is pod save get america. yourself banned from the internet find, yes. find a way use use language so repulsive that even yes. we will shudder last thing i want to point out that he's like why is the why are people scared of of bernieism there is something scary there's the threat of free chocolate milk free chocolate milk a that's specter, right a specter is haunting the United States. I could use some free chocolate, chocolate milk. milk. Yeah. My God, my Me too. kids are, they drink so much of it. Anyway, rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah. Uh, uh, you can find us on YouTube. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Google, all the places where you listen to podcasts. Oh, right. yeah, I know where you're going. Yeah, buy merch. Buy merch. Uh, buy these amazing mugs, yes. which make terrific gifts. And thank you so much for listening to the show. Yeah, and thank you for, thank you, Real Connor.
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.